This word is bringing abundance into your life in the name of Jesus Christ. Remember, all you need to do is pay the Lord what? Attention. For the next one and a half hours to two hours, we'll be sharing this word. Just pay attention. and Something good is going to happen to you in Jesus' name. Right, let's take our seats. The Lord is good. Alright, so what we have been talking about for some time is... Okay, we began it about uh, two weeks ago. Today will be the third in the series of our teaching about the... Uh, the freedom to prosper, the grace to prosper, the abundance that God has um, planned and purposed for his people, and that is in Christ Jesus. So we have, begun, we have begun to look at that, and I want to continue again today. And last time I said something which I feel I should repeat a bit, just for a few minutes, and that we are teaching spiritual principles, we are teaching the law of grace. We are not teaching common sense, we are not explaining how things will work naturally. And that's what we are believers, supernatural people. We walk in the spirit. We walk in the spirit. So we expect things to work for us according to the laws of the spirit. God is actually alive and working in our lives. Are you getting my point? We are not statistical figures. Bear that in mind. We are not statistical figures. You will not prosper because you went to an environment where prosperity is commoner. That's statistics. Do you follow my point? You are living according to the flesh like that. If you say, let me move to this particular geographical location... Because when you are there, you are more likely to prosper. That is not Christianity. Do you follow my point? For us as believers, we, our geography is determined by the leading of the Spirit. Our geography is determined by the placement of the Almighty. God places you where he, deser- where he decides. It is not according to your calculation. Do you follow what I'm going to explain here? God can tell Moses, a Moses, to leave Egypt and go into the wilderness. The Bible says to us clearly, Moses did not do what he did because he was afraid of Pharaoh. He did it by faith, which means that he was doing that because he was obeying a particular instruction of the Spirit. The Lord revealed either through an angel or, you know, through a voice, through a vision, whatever it is, told him, leave Egypt and go into the wilderness. The Bible teaches us clearly that he did not do it because of fear of Pharaoh. He was ready to face up with the consequences. He was mistaken anyway in what he thought he was going to do, achieve in Egypt. But God told him, get up and leave that place and go to the place I am going to show you. And the same thing, Abraham. God told him that's before Moses, of course. Abraham, the Lord came to him and said, leave your father's uh, land, leave your father's house into a place into which I will be your guide. A land I'm going to show you. Abraham did not go into the promised land because he thought it was prosperous. He went into the promised land because there was a leading of the Spirit for him to go there. One of the things I want to explain today, if the Lord will allow me, is for us to, again, we said we would do it, all right? I said it before. For if the Lord will allow us, we will explain what, how to judge what real prosperity is. The problem we have, why God appears as if he's not faithful, he's not supplying like he promised, is because we misjudge prosperity. Let me quickly drop this before I get back to the issue of geography I'm saying. You see, faith does not mean you will be another Likudangote. Faith is not competing with um, Warren Buffett. Faith is not the ability to compete with Bill Gates or um, Jeff Bezos for who is the richest man in the world. It is not a spiritual achievement that your name is listed on, in Forbes list as one of the richest Africans. God doesn't care at all about that. And you will see as we go on, that God's, God, I just, I thought about it. God did not make that kind of promise to his believers, to his children. He didn't make that promise at all. He never made that promise. What he promised is that you will not lack. I, I read the scriptures. I realized that God's promise is more against poverty than it is in favor of extreme abundance. 
I hope you are getting what I'm going to say. His favor is to tell you, you will not be poor. That's his promise. His focus is more on, you will not lack. That's very important for us to understand it. Because one of the problems we have is that misjudging of prophecy. Misjudging of divine promise. That's one problem we have. We think that if you give and give one day, you'll be very rich and you'll be controlling money in billions of naira and maybe billions of dollars. No. You will see those who have those billions did not give the way you are thinking. When we so believe that that's what God does, we started looking for how Bill Gates made it to be the richest man in the world and then realized that he must be a Jew. I don't think the man is a Jew of any sort. We try to connect it. His father is like this. Why? Because we think it's just God's validation for a righteous life, for a promise that he made. Not necessarily. We must understand that. God is not promised, and Christians remove your minds from it. I want you to forget that in your mind now. I'm not teaching on how you become the richest man in Enugu, the richest woman in, um, in eastern Nigeria, like Job, the greatest of all the men in the east. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about how you be the richest man in Nigeria or the biggest man in Africa. We're not discussing that. Because you see, I will talk about it again as we go on, that wealth in that dimension is an assignment. Is an assignment. That's what it is. It is, listen, what God is doing in each person's life is different. The work that one of our brothers, the other day, we were talking, he wrote a book and he, he sold quite a bit of it in a short while. And I said to him simply, I said, <laughs> I said, some of us can't do what you are doing. Not because what you are doing is wrong, just not our assignment. So if I write a book, now please, I'm not judging Christians that sell their books. We sell our physical copies. Alright? So selling is not wrong as preachers. I just choose for certain reasons not to sell when we are on our website. If you want to buy a physical copy, you pay for it. If you want a physical copy. But if you want the one on the web, now why we sell the physical one is because, I mean, put some value on this thing for goodness sake and then we spend too much money producing it. Okay? For each one you take, we have to go back and spend money. But for the one on the website, once you put it there, if you like, download it a hundred times. It's to, at no extra cost to us, so we can afford to do that. So I just told him simply, I said, look, I can't do what you are doing. We just laughed about it. not a big deal. Now, let us use that to judge who's rich, who's poor now. Assuming he sold and made a millionaire, and I didn't sell, therefore I got nothing. Does it make him richer? I will, I will answer it for you. No. Because both of us are doing an assignment. What God is counting is how many people read the books, not how much you or I got from it. Do you follow my point? Like, I want us to understand again, when the world is judging who is the richest man, who is the richest woman, you have to go and check it. The judgment is very unreliable. What do I mean by unreliable? That when we are talking about comparison, what they judge is people's perception of your wealth. What do I mean? There is what is called the, the stock market. And Warren Buffett, he says that this Mr. Market is erratic. I don't remember Mr. Market is erratic. This thing may be worth two, let's say a hundred dollars in the stock market. And Mr. Market, which is what he calls Mr. Market, is a perception of everybody. 
Alright? So Mr. Market may decide that this thing is worth 2000 Then the value when they are recording it, because I have 100 copies, will be what? $20,000. It is not, it doesn't say anything about the inherent value of what I'm holding in my hand. Then one day Mr. Market can just decide that they don't like that thing anymore. It's no longer worth $20,000. It is now worth $20. $2,000 is now worth Oh, that's okay. It's no longer worth $100 a unit. It's now worth only $1 a unit. And I have 100 copies. The remaining. They will tell me it's worth only what? $100. Now, it hasn't changed the content of the book. It has not changed what it can do in the life of each individual. What has changed is the perception of the people about it. For example, they may just perceive that, ah, Pastor Banky and his wife fought yesterday. And since his name is on the book, People will not want to read it. So we will make more, less money when we sell it. Suddenly, it's worth less. It doesn't change the real content. It is a perception that changes. So that is why you can't tell really. I mean, the example I, <laughs> I, I, I learned, I was going to give you as an example, somewhere I went to teach this morning. That can you believe that Tesla, how many of you know about Tesla? Tesla, not the man, the company. You know about Tesla? The electric car company. Do you know it has more value in the stock market than Toyota? Yeah, look at this man. Than GM. Toyota sells 2 million cars a year. Yet, Tesla has, it, has higher valuation in the market than Toyota. That is why Warren Buffett said, Mr. Market is erratic. Just by the way, I'm going to draw this as an aside. That's why Warren Buffett method of investment is to look beyond what all of you are thinking. Sit down, check for the inherent value of the company. Then compare it to how much is being sold in the open market and decide whether he will buy or not. If He may look at the company and Mr. Market has decided that this company, the share price is not, is not, I mean, it's not worth more than, let's say, $100 for one. He looks inherently. He, by his own understanding, he calculates the value Divided by the number of shares available and decides that this company is actually worth $250 by his own assessment of inherent value. We buy everyone he can find in the market. Because the rest of you don't know as much as he does. You'll be selling it at $100, $100. And he's, he's excited. He keeps buying, he keeps buying, he keeps buying. His reason, you don't know the value of what you have. Now, why am I going through all of this talk? So don't think that that's why God cannot get into the competition. You are chasing fake valuation. He knows reality. Did you hear what I said? People are chasing what? Fake valuation. He knows reality. Who can imagine that a company like Tesla are today? Because they said, you know what? People say, ah, it's a grow. That is, is our hope and imagination we are betting on. So it's nothing but betting. And most people that are investing are nothing but gamblers. There's what they call the greater fool theory, which is that even though I don't know whether the company is good or bad, as long as I'm sure the price will go up, or I, I feel the price will go up. So if I bought it for $100, and I think it might go up to $200, whether the company is worth anything or not, I will buy, hoping that when it hits $200, I will sell. It's pure trading, which is the reason why periodically we can't help it. Stock markets will keep crashing, because they keep on being blown up by people's imaginations. They want it to reset when reality faces people. Netscape was worth, I think, about $500 a unit. 
Then the moment Bill Gates re- released Windows 98 and bundled Internet Explorer, Explorer with it, within a few weeks, it was worth only $50, crashed by 90%, and that began the dot-com bust. There was a boom before that time. Everything bust. When Bill Gates released Windows 98, because the only thing that in, um, Netscape was selling, the main thing they were selling was Navigator. You had to pay. But Bill Gates put Internet Explorer doing the same thing for free in the bundle of Windows. The company went, from, it lost 90% of the value in a few days. And that took the rest of them started going down. Everything crashed. That was a dot-com bust in America. And Warren Buffett said that time, before then, that I cannot invest in a company that I don't know, I can't explain what they are doing to my mother. That is, I have to be able to explain it to my mother. I have to know it enough. And he said, I've never been able to understand why a young boy would type something on the computer and suddenly he's worth so much. He couldn't explain it. It doesn't mean he's 100% right, but the truth is that that time was just a lot of a hype. They wanted the whole thing reset. What am I going to explain? So that's why God is not in the competition of perception. The world may see somebody is worth $100 billion. God says, I have looked closely. He's not worth anything. He's poor. He's wretched. He's miserable. He's blind. He's naked. That that valuation is in, your, in you people's minds. And you can use it to be doing your calo calo, what you call stock trading. So the Lord is not in competition. I need to emphasize that. He's not promising you that if you listen to the word, you'll become a multi-millionaire. He didn't make any such promise. Let me tell you what he promised. You will not lack. What is prosperity? I gave the, um, the um, definition of Derek Prince. And I, li- I love it. I modified it a bit. And that's what I found to be the best definition I've heard so far. What is prosperity? Prosperity is having enough to do all that God requires of you to do in life. It's having enough to do the will of God in your life. Paying children's fees to go to school is God's assignment. I hope you know that. Having food for the family is God's assignment. Dressing well when you are going out is God's assignment. Using an expensive wristwatch, everybody will know that, man, you too have arrived, is foolishness. I hope you are getting my point. Now, you have to understand, many of the problems we have in life is nothing but wrong placement of value. And many times, God doesn't join us in that. You can ask my wife, one of the things, listen, I will use something, this is who I am, without, without have you had knowing the label. I don't know whether you're getting my point. If I have to buy a watch and it's very expensive, as an example, I don't need you to know the brand of the watch. If it's worth the money, why do I need the label? I will remove it. The, the, the name of the maker is for me to, because a good name, the Bible says, is better than silver and gold. So, And the good name, really, is supposed to be a sign of the value, the quality of the thing. Once I'm sure of the quality, it can tell time and it looks nice, I can afford to remove the label. I don't have to tell you that, you know, this is a Rolex. Once I have to tell you it's a Rolex, it's vanity. I don't know whether you're getting my point. If I'm wearing something and I need you to know the label is vanity, if it was inherent value, it should look nice on me, be durable, easy to care for. Whether it is Versace or Chukudi, it doesn't matter. I hope I get my point. I don't need you to put your label all over my chest 
There's one guy, one Nigerian guy that was arrested somewhere in the Middle East recently. Somebody said he's marketing for the company because he was always buying, was it Gucci or Versace, one of them. Which one are you? Are you marketing for Gucci? You wear a t-shirt, you have to tell us it's Gucci. Why? Because inside your soul, you are empty. So you need us to know you you can pay $500 for a t-shirt when I can get exactly the same value, exactly, for $25. Do you know the difference? I will not be able to brag to confuse people like myself that it is so-so-and-so person. So many times people spend their money to buy the show-off value of something. I've done a bit of research in some things. There are watches I will never buy. I don't understand why on earth I will buy a watch for a particular... Let me just let me not quote figures now. Because as far as I'm concerned, the primary thing about it is to tell time. Yeah, there's a bit of an ornamental value. So if you are pure gold, we'll discuss. But you can't make a watch of stainless steel. And then you go and borrow a name, stamp it on it. And I'm supposed to pay you for that name. Do I look confused? Do I look like a confused son of a confused father? My heavenly father is not like that. If I have to tell you the name of a thing, then it doesn't have inherent value. One of the things you find out in life, we're talking about prosperity, is that, listen, many times God has supplied enough. You see, one of the things that God gives his children as prosperity is wisdom. Contentment is one of the greatest blessings you can have in life. One of my friends told me something that was very funny. He said, they talk about diamond, diamond, diamond. He said, all right, I decided to buy one, but that more ring for my wife. He said, I bought it. She's happy. Then she keeps it locked inside one corner of the wardrobe because it's diamond. He says she has another ring that's cubic zirconium. Now, for your information, that costs less than 10% of the value, maybe about 5% of the value of a diamond. He said, Banky, between you and I, that one looks better. The only difference between that one and the diamond is that we know it's diamond. So that's the only difference. So if you're talking about the lost at the look, first, because it's cheaper, I could buy a bigger one. And then my wife enjoys it because it's not expensive, so she's not afraid she will lose it. Are you, I hope you're getting my point. He said, now I have bought a diamond ring so I can rest. That is, I have satisfied the... <laughs> so that's it, we have checked that box. Now let's live in righteousness. And one of the things God gives Christians is the ability not to be under pressure. To relax. Anything you have to show up to people is not the will of God. The phone I use, I love it very much. I'm not advertising for them, so don't talk about it. I, I, mean, I won't mention the name. But the label or no label, I don't have to tell you what it is. The only reason why I, know, I, I like the name is that they are reliable for their quality. So if I want to buy, I buy that name. But after buying it, I can strip off the label. It's for my use. It's not to show you, look at what I'm using. Man, <laughs> now you're level. <liable. laughs> no. There are some phones that I yap all the time. Those of you who are yap your phones, you know. You want your phone will take three hours to boot. You understand what I'm trying to say? I tell you, check something for me. Then you put it on, we'll go to shift, come back. It has not finished getting ready. You know something is out of order. So a name is supposed to give us an indication of the inherent value. That's why for me, something I like, that I buy, I can strip off the label. I'm not, I didn't buy it to show it off to you. I'm buying it for the inherent value. So it's one of the things that God does for his children. He gives you contentment. You will suddenly realize that you don't need as much money as you thought you did. That's a matter of fact. So let's bear that in mind. He's not into competition. Like I said, I was just going to take a digression somewhere there. So what God wants to do is to supply our needs. That's the primary thing. So the reprint says, 
It is having enough to do the will of God in your life. And this is my modification. And having abundance. And this is the purpose of abundance. To be able to help somebody else do his own too. That is, if I have enough money just to pay my own children's school fees. God says something that the poor you have with you always. And sometimes he leaves things around like that to show what's inside your heart. Then I have to have extra because no matter how much I love you, all right, some things are my primary assignment. Do you get my point? So if there are three children that are supposed to go to school, or okay, let's, let's not use school now because school you can pay bit by bit. Let's say it's an exam. They're supposed to go and write WIAC. WIAC, you have to pay the whole fee. You understand what I'm saying? It's all or nothing. So they say the WIAC fee is 30,000. I don't know how much they charge these days for WIAC. I don't know. But let's just say 30,000 as an example. And then there are three children. One mine. One the son of my best friend. One the child of my brother. Now let me ask you, which one will I pay first? My sons, I don't care how much I love you. Your child is not my primary responsibility. Mine is. It's not about love. It's not about affection now. It's about duty. So that is why God will require me to prosper and have 90 if those three children are going to be in front of me. So if he supplies 35, apparently he doesn't want me to be the one to pay for the three. I shall pay for mine, my primary assignment, and I take the 5,000 and share 2,000, that's balanced 5,000. I share 2,525, I give to the parents of the other two boys, and I say, please, go and meet another guy like me who has another extra 2,500. By the time you go right, 15 of us, the money will be complete, right? So that's, why, that's what prosperity is. It is not about, you see, a lot of people don't understand, don't understand prosperity. What they have done is to misuse it and confuse young people. Let me explain what I mean. Now, I don't mean any insult. If you want to get angry, it's your problem. I wasn't trying to insult you. I don't understand why on earth my, little, my young child who's going to secondary school will go to secondary school out of the country I live in. I don't understand the logic. Let's use Nigeria as an example right now. You see, if you don't say this, it will not be corrected. I will not send the 12-year-olds to, to, to secondary school in UK. Let's get some things clear. Sometimes we'll pursue what's not pursuing us. I will pursue assignments that God has not given us. We'll not be believing God for money. I will tell you something that you should know. There is nothing they teach in secondary schools anywhere in the world that's not available within this country we live in. I don't know the other country, the country you live in, no. This one, if you argue with me, you know your problem? Ignorance. Inferiority complex. You know nothing. I'm talking secondary education. You know some, you know some parents? I will say it. If you'd be offended, switch off. That's you that's losing. Some parents, their problem is that, you know, Children are a headache. I hope you're getting my point. There's one scripture my wife and I like to play with. My wife, my children are looking like, we are headaches. Yes. So. When all of you traveled, one loaf of bread. Three of us are in the house. One loaf of bread, we eat it today. Toss in the freezer. Bring it out the next day. Still fresh. It will not finish. They thought they would be begging the bread. Try and finish now. I won't mention names, but there's one guy in this room. You come down at 12 midnight, say he's hungry. That loaf of bread is going. <laughs> I didn't mention your name. Oh. I'm not saying you are behind the computer uploading things. So. <laughs> Just wake up at 12 midnight and go and be digging in the freezer. 
So the scripture my wife and I like to quote is this. When the horse, when the manger is, when the stable is empty. No. Yeah. He said, where there is no oxen, the stable is clean. But, but much strength comes by the strength of the oxen. Do you get that? Stable is where you keep your horses, your oxen. If you don't have them there, you don't have to be cleaning it all the time. But if you want your farm to be plowed, you need to have oxen. So your stable will be dirty. You have to clean them. Are you getting my point? That's how children are also. They are blessing from God. They are, they are an assignment from God. So their presence in your house is like oxen in your stable. You have to clean, you have to shout, you have to talk. Many parents don't like that. So they ship them off and say they are giving them better education. It's a lie. That's, let's not deceive ourselves. The farther away from home, the better. You don't have to go down and be checking where is everybody at night. You don't, have to, you don't have to be praying extra because somebody wants to cross the road. You carry children, put them where you think the system is good. They are your responsibilities. Like one woman said, why do you turn them to orphans? You are alive for goodness sake. I am not criticizing boarding house. If I need to, I will open a boarding house and keep people there. Alright? But I am not sending my children to one. You say why? I don't believe you are as good as me in training my children. That's all. It's not a sin. I just don't think you are as good as me. I am not saying this because my wife is here. When it comes to looking after kids, she's extremely wonderful. I was saying somebody that day that when my children will come back from school, they are here, you can ask them. She will sit down looking at homework one by one. Send me a message, play and call me now. 11 p.m. is when I will see her. She will copy notes for kids. She will check their work. I remember one day, some, my, my children were going to one school. They were doing telecommunication. Somebody said Nitel. My wife went to the school the next day. What is called Nitel? No, she, the school had to explain what is Nitel. Because there is nothing like Nitel. Nitel died how long ago? And in 2018, you are teaching my children Nitel. No, she went to the school. Uh, the school my children used to go to. The principal confessed that when she appeared, huh? she said, oh, oh, what have we done? Because the children, they will do maths. She will check the maths. It is the, what, it is the, what they call it, the, the example in the book that the teacher used to teach in class. She said, I'm not taking it. She's going to the principal's office. Principal, good afternoon. My son came home. Your teacher is teaching LCM and RCM, are we? HCF, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And he used the example in their textbook. Is that a teacher? Ha, the principal started explaining. Please, I'm sorry. I will talk. I'm telling you. Ask the children. Good enough. They're all here this evening. Your book is not complete. Your mother will find out. Where are you going to hide it? She inspe- Coming from school, where's your assignment? Have you ticked it? Have you done it? That is the reason why I'm not sending my children to your boarding house. So that's my reason. Nothing, I'm not saying it's bad though. Uh, please, get me. I just have to say things, you understand, because... 
I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just telling you the way I reason. I will not pay you. If, like I told somebody once, if I had that money, I'd give it to my wife. She does the work. I find it easier to hire two teachers to supplement the effort she puts in. I think it's more productive and I watch you every day. I can talk. You are young. You are growing. I shouldn't see you only three, four months in a year. And you are 12, 13. No. I should see you every day. I pick your pimple. Ask my children. I'm telling you. I see a mark on your back. I want to know where it got there. Why are you limping? I want to know. You do something that's wrong. I correct you on the spot. I, nobody loves you the way your mother and I love you. Nobody. They, 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 listen, listen. There are good people in the world, but the greatest lover of your soul after Jesus Christ is your mother and I. If you fail, your teacher will let you go. If you fail, you are my responsibility for the rest of your life. As long as I'm alive. Your success is so important to me. And good enough, God has given me a number of things. My wife and I know. We are educated. We know the scriptures. So, at least four to five days a week, my children get Bible study at home in the morning. When school is in session, it's even this lockdown, that what was the sweetest one. Ask them. Sometimes two hours in the morning we're discussing scriptures. Not one day in a week. During the lockdown, up to four days in a week. And when school is in session, they get it every day. Apart from Sunday. That is Monday to Friday guaranteed. Early in the morning, you know, we have this juju practice in the house. Meditation. Everybody will carry scriptures and be nodding. I'm telling you. We take a few scriptures. We recite it together. We read it together. People start reciting it. You can't do that for me elsewhere. Now, I'm giving you my logic. I'm not saying, I'm not quarreling with anybody. I'm most certainly not shipping you to Europe. Am I mad? Where part of the curriculum is to let my children know that they don't know who they are yet. Until they decide whether, I mean, Akindu will not grow up at the age of 18. And I say, Daddy, I finally found out my name is Alice. <laughs> and I cannot tell him he's crazy. Otherwise, I get into trouble with the government. If a child decides to, if a boy decides to wear a skirt at the age of 10, and I remove it and force him to wear trousers, and my neighbor finds out I'm in trouble. I'm not recognizing his mad identity. Madness. The world is upside down. And you now see people, because God gave them money, they work in a company or decide a business that will end this money millions every month. And I say, let me give my children a brand new future. You now send them to a, <laughs> a secondary school, body house in Europe, and you think God shouldn't punish you? He should. Now this is what I'm making. Sometimes we create problems. We start needing money. Many times what God gives is wisdom to let you know that, listen, what you need a millionaire for is being offered locally to you for a hundred thousand. What's your problem? Sometimes people are using money. If you can't study Ecclesiastes, people pursue money to live an expensive life. It's a useless thing. Because why do you Pursue money so you can spend it on vanity. I don't know what I remember. That's actually what Solomon called vanity. I work extra, work extra, 
do business, I don't sleep, I gather the money. Then at the end of the day, what is the aim? So I can buy a very expensive phone, an expensive car, and live in an expensive area. What's all those expensive expenses? What are they supposed to do for me? It's not peace of mind. Why am I losing peace of mind to acquire peace of mind? I'm just going to rest. Let me just rest where I am right now. I work less, use a cheaper phone that can do exactly the same thing, except I can't show it up to my friends. I hope you know many of these high-end phones that people spend money on. They don't need them. Because Samsung is competing with Apple. And Xiaomi and Oppo wants the, a piece of the cake. So they pour a lot of technology into a phone that somebody just needs to make a call, receive a call, send a text message, check his messages on the, on the, on the, on the, on the email, and then you know, do a few things on WhatsApp, which he can do effectively with a phone that has one-fifth that capacity. So the guys pack it, pack all the technology inside. Then you are forced to buy it. I tell people, listen, don't, don't waste your time. It, I don't want to mention the name of any company. There are phones that that's the reason why I don't like that. I say, if you don't have a cheaper variant, why should I be possible? I mean, you're forcing me to invest in something that's not doing anything for me. It's like buying a sports car on bad roads. What does it have for more than show value? So you can tell everybody, I bought this car for 200 million naira. Are you getting, are you, you are getting my point? One of the ways God supplies your needs is to just give you wisdom. You just realize that many of the things you are pursuing in life, you don't need them. You don't need them. You don't. What God promises is that I will supply what? All your needs. Not all your fantasies. Not all your competition. It's all your needs. And many times, it, it, what it gives is not money. It's wisdom. Many times, what it gives is not money. It's wisdom. Once a lady working you know, as a cleaner in a, in a particular institution, when I met one of our brethren there, asked for money, say one particular university. Some of you will know the university I'm talking about, but I won't mention the name, but I have to tell you what they did. That the, the daughter just got, got admission letter from them. Did she apply there? No. Did you feel their name in jump? No. You're, you're a low-income earner, minimum wage earner. Your child now got admission into a private university in Nigeria of today. And you're now going from one person to the other in the office, begging for them to contribute money for you to pay to go to a private university. So the sister, one of our brothers, a sister, asked, what do we think? I said, don't give her the money. I'm serious. You have no entire university already begging everybody in the neighborhood. First year, the minimum is four years, Right? I said, why don't you tell the young, what is the problem? This particular university, they are notorious for that. A lot of people get the admission letter who did not apply. You just be at home, they just post admission letter to you. You did not apply to the school. So, funny enough, you know, a lot of people, especially the less informed parents, you know, there are different kinds of people in the world. The less informed parents say it's breakthrough. It's not breakthrough. They are, they are scamming you. So I told the person, I said, listen, what you should have told that woman is simple. I will help you one year because the young girl can repeat a year, I mean, just wait a year to get to university, and get into a federal university in Nigeria, which you know that is basically everybody's on scholarship. Tuition in most universities in Nigeria today is not up to $100. Federal university is not up to $200. Let me just say 200 
You study medicine and pay 70000 naira a year as tuition. Is that school fees? Let's not lie to ourselves. The appropriate, look, I know the details of the College of Medicine. The appropriate school fees as of today for a medical student to pay. Tuition alone, just tuition. What makes sense is a minimum of 2 million naira a year. I've done the calculation. I'm not imagining for you. It used to be one point something. But when you check the trend, it's minimum of 2 million naira a year. Federal government gives that for between 40 to 70,000 naira a year. What has you called scholarship? What has you called scholarship? I told my sister, I said, please tell her. This is what you can do for your daughter. That is what I can do for your daughter. Come, let me talk to her. I can pay. I will give you money for her to go back and do coaching for the next one year. Intensive coaching in core subjects that you will do in jam. Do it for some months. Then go and do that jam exam again and get a good score. And get yourself into a federal university for goodness sake. Because the first school fees that girl needed was like 400,000 naira. For the course she was being admitted for, most universities were going to offer a tuition, tuition alone, for less than 40,000. And you're going around begging for money. Because if that girl doesn't have the head to study for a year and pass jam better, she shouldn't go to university in the first place. I said, what are we talking about here? How long are you going to do this? You can't pay school fees. How is the girl going to stay in school? We're talking tuition here. You, you, are, you can't even bring out the money. It's the first year you are going from person to person begging. How long are you going to do this? Now, if situations come to that, I can understand. But right now, there's an easy way out. There's an easier way out. Most coaching centers won't collect that 40,000 naira from you. Well, I mean, they, 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 they don't need up to that. Those that I know some that used to take 2,000 a month. And they will teach you, drill you. Next time you show up for jump, jump will know, jump will know somebody came. Then you cross their minimum, get into one federal university. Automatically you've gotten a, a scholarship, at least on tuition. What you now need to worry about is closing and feeding and accommodation. Sometimes that's what God gives. Sometimes that's all he gives. So you wonder why it's not supplying now. Because I'm supplying. The problem is that you put your eyes where I didn't keep the eyes. Then all of a sudden, you are needing money. You are praying and praying and praying. Then, of course, people, the little you have, somebody will now collect it. That if you sow it, it will grow. The one that used to make me laugh is that I, 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 I had a colleague once who was talking to me. He said the children are university abroad. Say, what's wrong with this country? Eh? He's been trying to buy dollar for the last two years. I said, what are you doing with dollar? He said, he has two sons in university in America. I looked at him. I said, what? At your level, you have two children in university in America. Are you okay? Now, suddenly the money is not enough in, anymore. You know one of the things I found out about adults in life? If you see a working adult who's always broke, be suspicious. Be suspicious. Sometimes they do things far beyond them. And I've noticed something. You know what they call the 99 Club? Listen, I've not gotten to my message. This is, we are just trying to review and trying to get something out. Really. I, I, my message for today, I've not reached there at all. But I want to tell you about the 99 Club. And I've seen 99 Club members all over the place. Do you know about the 99 Club? 
Ah, he's only bad at nightclub. See, this man at the back knows. Sugar, okay, let me just tell you, Sha, for the five seconds. A king was said to have had a servant who was always happy. The king had troubles, but the servant was always happy. He asked one of his advisors, this is my servant. He's always happy. I wonder what's up with him. This guy was like a gate man, you know, stuff like that. And the advisor said, he hasn't joined the 99 club. The king said, what do you mean by the 99 club? He said, give him 99 pieces of gold. You will find out. So the king arranged and gave the man 99 pieces of gold. Now let me explain to you. One piece of gold those days was less, now just make it simple. Actually, they said four years, but let's take it like this. It was less, a, a man working daily couldn't save that amount of money in one year of working. He needed to work for like three, four years to save enough to get a piece of gold. So you can imagine what 99 pieces meant. So it was a lot of money. The king just called the servant and gave to the servant. The servant got home with a sack of gold, counted 99. Ah! He counted again, 99. No. He recounted 99. He said, no, the king wanted to give me 100. And you know, now we're talking about millionaires. So it was on 99. He said, I'm not yet a millionaire. So 100 will make him a millionaire. Are you getting my point? So he started working hard to earn the extra piece of gold so he could become what? A millionaire. Using today's terms. That was 100 near now, that time, but they're just a millionaire to make it easy. So every day he'll come to work. He's checking for the investment that's supposed to bring... So you remember that, that piece of gold is, is hard to earn. If you're supposed to close by 4, 3.30 is asking the supervisor, can I go? The king is watching. The supervisor said, no, if you leave, the king finds out. So he has parked. He's waiting at the gate. 4 o'clock, boom, he's off. So where they are selling fish, buying fish, selling fish, you know, trading. He can't sleep again. He comes back to work next day. He's quarreling with everybody. The king noticed, called the advisor. This guy is never happy. Ah, you say he has joined the 99 club. <laughs> What's 99 club? He has 99 pieces of gold. He has to make it 100. Peace has left him. I found that one out. A man was trekking, taking keke. Taking bus, no trouble. Then you give him a job by which he can save for a car for some time. Suddenly he's not at peace again. He starts saving. Bro, let's eat now. No need for food. Why? Because he suddenly said, when God gave him half of that money, when a car was not in the horizon, he was at peace. He entered the bus with joy in his heart. He's always whistling inside the keke. That the Lord has made, I will rejoice. Every day he's singing. Then all of a sudden now, trouble again in his soul. Why? Because God gave him a job that suddenly made it possible for him to go close. So sometimes God will just withdraw and say, thank you. I've seen it before. <laughs> the one I saw one day, I, I told the person, say, do you know if you had gotten half, when you got this job, if your salary that you got was half of it, you would have been rejoicing. That they gave you double. Suddenly, money is not enough. Oh, that's something I have seen. I find a lot of, if you see a working hard adult who's perpetually broke, look closer. Some have a lot of responsibilities, we understand. Some is not so. When they finish the responsibility in the family, they have to buy land. It's one project to another. So the fellow is perpetually broke. 
God taught me that thing long ago. I said, Banky, if you live long, you will prosper. So I strategize for long life, not for prosperity. There's a saying in Western Nigeria. They say the child that does not die will become an adult. And let me tell you, as a child of God, if you don't die, you will prosper in this life. You, will, you remember we talked about God's, God said you will not lack. And he said you will have abundance to be able to help other people. That abundance, you will achieve it in Jesus' name. Yeah. And what am I saying? Just don't die. Many people are dying needlessly. Don't die. What I mean by don't die? Don't join the 99 club. The little blessing that God has given you. Don't use it in such a manner that you suddenly need more. Did you hear what I said? One of the first things you must learn in life, that's one of the ways God supplies, is contentment. And this is what I mean. Strategize your life not to have plenty, but to manage what you have. It's faith. There are things you don't need in life. If your friend is doing a wedding, he said, you must wear a shirt. If you can't afford it, you don't have to wear it. And please be bold about it. Don't say, I really don't like the material. The one you chose is not my type. Stop telling lies. Tell him or her simply, bros, I am with you. This actually you have chosen is 10,000 naira. I told you the job I got your daddy, they pay us 42,000. Does it make sense for me to use 10,000 naira to buy your Ashebi? I will give you 2,000 naira as dash as a friend. I will wear my best cloth and come for your wedding. Don't worry. I don't have to join your your train. Don't worry. I have a very rich friend who looks very nice. Nicer than me. He, will, she, he or she will join on my behalf. It's not that, ah, you know, that's my special friend. A quarter of your income is your head working. I hope you're getting my point. If Ada is your special friend, wear your special dress you have, the one you wore for Kichi's wedding. So everybody will see it in the picture. Eh? It's a story you will tell one day. You know, when you have become rich, those that used to wear the same dress to everywhere, you know, just, let me just say something. You won't die in your current state. All the problems you're having right now will be a story one day. You have to have a story to tell you. You, you have, I mean, those, those things will become stories. They will become stories. So don't feel under pressure. A lot of people, that's the problem they have. And for your information, if God has not taken you to that level in life, stop using your money to buy gold. Women. Because they don't even believe it's gold. You are too poor to wear gold. They will be saying, I will tell you the truth now. You know what I found out? Your jewelry is assessed based on your personality, not inherent quality. If my wife wears rings she bought for 250 naira, people assume it's pure gold. Why? Now, my Mrs. B now. I wore a ring once. I told somebody, she said, ah, this your ring is very fine. I said, I removed it. I said, my wife bought the market for me for 15. Yeah, what? Because I said, he was turning it upside down. Looking outside. I said, yeah, 15. For those of you who are not in Nigeria, that's not even up to, it's not, it's, okay, purchasing power parity, it's not even up to $10. In real conversion, we're talking three dollars. I told the person, one five. He removed the ring, was examining it up and down. Then he has been looking at it. I said, yes, now because I'm the one wearing it. I'm the one wearing it. So if you have to pay for gold for six months, they think it is fake. Don't worry about it. They know it's fake. They are sure it is fake. That's why you bring it out. It's real gold, though. It's real gold. It's, 
because nobody believes it is genuine. You don't have a personality that can carry it. Real good. Drop it from Keke. Are you normal? <laughs> but if you step down from a G450 and if you are wearing thread, they will say, oh, it's Versace. <laughs> Ordinary thread, your, 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 your daughter sat at home and joined the beads and everything. They, they oh, pearls. That looks like the pearl I saw in Dubai. It's a lie. It's glass that they ground in Okunano there and then put ring. That, why? The personality carrying it. St- Listen, stop chasing. Oh God, I feel like it's so important. There are things you don't buy and be paying small, small. I see people buy perfume. Three months, they have not finished paying. It's smelling like shit, you don't know. <laughs> Three months after you bought perfume, they are still paying. If perfume has finished, you are not even finished paying for it. <laughs> Listen, you should know it's not your level. It's not your level. It's not your level. It's not your level. That means you don't pay small, small. What are you paying small, small for? You buy a shirt third month. The person you bought from is still, is still calling you. Okay, you said that you will give me some money this month. Oh. On shirts, I need to pray for you. Father, may it tear in Jesus' name. If you like, don't say me. I've said the amen in my soul for you. Nonsense. Those are not things you invest money on. If you have to be paying for shirts, small, small, you buy a cheaper one. You know, I've been telling you, you won't die now. You will, listen, God will do something for you. You will chop this life. Let me say it like that. You will eat and you will be satisfied. God will deal bountifully with you. Don't die before that time. It's one way by which God supplies needs. Removes all the unnecessary burdens that we put on our souls. I see people saving money. They want to carry money, the children to Dubai. And you are saving. Let me just say something. How you, how, how you would know. You can, listen. As a believer, from the understanding given to me by God, you are forbidden to use for luxury what you have not been able to give as gifts. If you have never been able to go to church and drop a million naira, even if it's over time, over a few months, as an offering, say, I'm giving this work of God a millionaire. I'm, this evangelistic work, I'm giving them a millionaire. And you take that one million that will take your children to Dubai for a holiday, you are a wicked soul. You don't understand priorities in life. It's one way to keep yourself in check. What you can't give, you shouldn't waste. What you can't give, it should never be used as, you know, a luxury, holiday. You buy jewelry with money you have never been able to drop in an offering basket. You've never been to send to somebody for something good. You've never been able to use to help the needy and use it to buy jewelry. A thief will steal it. You don't understand life. Some of the Christians will ask me that, eh, is it right to, should, eh, can, can we borrow? Should, eh, if you don't, you don't give by borrowing, you give according to what you have. I believe that. It is acceptable according to what a man has. But there's something I say all the time. If that fellow can borrow to do anything, you'll be able to also borrow to give. That's all I have to say. Why is that you can you can buy and pay small small? You can't give and pay small small. Why? You know, like give and pay small small. Let's take the work of the gospel. Let me t- tell you something. Many of the radio stations we are broadcasting on were not the ones paying. Some brethren pay. I've I've been in situations before where people tell me that me I, I can be on both sides. That time I tell somebody, look, pay for this. We want to give something to somebody. To a mission work or somebody in need. I don't have money now. But you pay. I will pay you back. 
bit by bit. I've done that many times. I've bought things for relatives, trying to help out. The person I bought from, you know what I want to use it for? He said yes. So please allow me to pay you bit by bit. But the person I gave it to thought that I had so much money. Something led to it. I have to tell the person, say, listen, this one I gave you, I have not finished paying. Don't think I is out of, I'm not your girl waiting, I go take money do. But people want to give comfortably, then live large under pressure. No, it's not right. That's not Christianity. One of the ways you can use to keep yourself in check, ask yourself, can I give this thing out if I can't? Don't do it for yourself. I've seen people invest money and time in vanity. When Solomon said vanity upon vanity, all is vanity. What he was saying is not about the thing in itself. Because he said it is like chasing after the wind. And think about it. How can wind blow on you and he says vanity? If wind blows on you, it's not vanity. You know what Solomon says vanity? Chasing. The chase is a vanity. So, if I had the money and I'm not under pressure, I go to the market, I buy myself brand new G550 Mercedes Benz and I drive it into the house, it's not vanity. You know what is vanity? I'll tell you. Um, yeah, the children are going back to school next week. Am I made of money? Every time they're always going to school. What is that at home? And you're buying a car. And I'm paying bit by bit. They go to church. Abraham's blessings are my, my offering. 200 naira. And somebody say, please, oh, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's pastors, um, his children are going back to school. And you know, the church doesn't pay well. He has, it is, like, play, like, play. They are now four children, you know, going to university. Can we help pastor out? Ah, I would have loved to, and I'm paying for a car. A car is vanity. It is like chasing after the wind. It shall spoil in Jesus' name. Amen. The brain box will burn. The AC will leak gas. Brand new motor. One day, my wife and I were going to Lagos. We saw a brand new Land Cruiser on fire. That time, I don't know the, the, the price now, but that time it was much, Nara Valley was lower than now. It was 14 million. I told my wife, see 14 million. See 14 million. I couldn't see the car. I was seeing the money. Ooh, I wasn't seeing the car. The money, I was seeing 14 million. <laughs> 14 million. <laughs> if you save to buy that car, you know depression is your portion. They start hearing all my enemies. They wanted to kill me, but God will not let them. It's a lie. Nobody wanted to kill you. God was teaching you a lesson. But there's a man I know of. If I mention the name of his industry, you will know it. But we are, we are streaming online, so we can't say all these things. One day, his driver ran down home. Shouting, hey, hey, hey. The wife of the man said, what is the problem? That thieves robbed him and took the Land Cruiser from him. Hey, shouted, daddy, daddy, daddy. They said, wait, quiet, quiet. That the man has a difficulty sleeping. Sleeping for him is very hard. So he was sleeping that afternoon. So the driver now came and said that, hey, he said, if daddy, if you wake him up, he will sack him. So the driver kept quiet. So finally later, daddy woke up. Then I said, daddy, uh, something happened. What happened? The driver went out, then some arm robbers, then they took the car. He said, hey, which car? They told him. He said, where did you buy it? Call them whether they have another one. There was no discussion. They called the company. Those ones delivered another one. There was no discussion of who stole it, who didn't steal it. The car was worth less than his afternoon sleep. I talked to a man. <laughs> when his office was just, he was talking about you know, life. He said, ah, no, when he goes to this thing, uh, he stays in, you know, in Hilton hotels. Hilton, ah, suites, presidential suites, ah, the high-level suites. Ah, okay, how far? 
And I knew those streets were going for like, at that time, 250,000 naira a night. I know they put you there, you won't sleep. You will rock from here to here. Every corner. You, will, you, you almost eat it so because this is that is. I said, Oga, what? He said, no, 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 I don't pay that, I don't pay that much. Ah! So I pay only 30%. Even then, at 30%. Then we talked. Ah, you just, it's, it's telling me things. How can you pay that? If you say, oh, I belong to a particular club. Which club, sir? He told me I own an part, apartment in a particular place. He mentioned it. You're talking, if I, I look, let me not give you more details. I said, what? So, now, this is where, where we are going. So, when people like that stroll into a hotel and they come in, you now go and save money and you come there to sleep one night and an angel will now stab you in the heart. <laughs> For foolishness. <laughs> he said to me, he said, listen, that these are not things you struggle to do. You wait to get to that point. There are a lot of young people, they are struggling to do these things. Look, there are people that, listen, this life, eh, to stand in a hotel lobby and be feeling for me is a waste of their time. So they pay for that suite all the time. They give them a discounted rate. It's locked down for them. Anytime time they come, they just go straight there. They don't have time to talk to you. Once it was said that Bill Gates... Now, there was... A, you know, the other day they paid Dangote dividends from Dangote Cement. You know how much it was? $700 million for one year. You know, the one that GTV will send you? 15000 and you think you are rich. You hear what I said? No, you didn't hear me. Okay, you, did, you, did, you said, okay, who got 15000 I won five, I guess. <laughs> yeah, some of you bought and you got one five. At the end of the year, they gave the Angote dividend 700 million US dollars. One year, not two years, one. One particular year, Bill Gates was paid dividends. You know how much it was? 4 point something billion US dollars. So it was said concerning Bill Gates that if you pour money on the ground, it's a waste of time to pick it up. So if you throw dollar on the ground for him, say be picking. Bill Gates says, I don't have the time. Because you can't pick money as fast as you can earn it. What the Bible says? You run against men. They tired you out. What will you do when you start running against horses? So I tell people, there are things, don't bother yourself. What do I say? For your information, the man sleeping in a suite that's 250,000 naira a night is not more comfortable than the one sleeping in a hotel room that's 5,000. Comfort is in the soul. That's what I'm going to explain. Comfort is where? In the soul. So that's why God doesn't supply some of the things we are pursuing. He said, listen, if you have comfort in your soul, it will make no difference. It will make no difference to you. So please, eh, relax. I feel like telling somebody today, relax. You put yourself under too much pressure. Some of the people you are admiring, you don't know what they, what's going on in their lives. You want to be like that. You don't know what's going on. What I mean that they are not putting the effort you are putting in. But there was a time, many of them, do you know, when I heard that Fola Adiola, I mean, if you know Fola Adiola, started GT Bank, I heard he started another bank recently. He used to hawk orange in Yaba. Did you hear what I said? You know what it's called hawk? Okay, you've seen these boys that will come at night to be buying orange, selling orange. Please buy from them. There are times they just come to my glass, I just buy. I say, you are learning industry. Yes, you buy the orange chip, you peel it, you put it in the bags, you come to traffic and sell it. It's good. Don't clean my glass. My glass is not dirty. You clean my glass, I won't give you anything. That's not that's begging, glorified begging. 
The ones who peel oranges, in fact, I should buy more. I've not, I've not bought enough. Just, just wind down. It's a hundred naira they sell that small bag. And it has, I hope you know it has vitamin C. And it has roughages. Everything they are saying is good for you. If, if I can eat it with the back, you will never have, you will never have constipation in your life. Just chop the oil already, chop the seed, chop the back. When you reach home, you'll be, your, your intestines will clean, you know. It's like sweeping all the rough rough oil you kept there from eating all those uh, burger and things that, you know, that don't digest well. <laughs> but this man used to do that. He used to do that. He used to do that. Is that what he's still doing now? Now it's the story we are telling. Bishop Oedipo said, life is in phases, men are in sizes. He said, leave your size per time. Using Nigeria economic context, I can assure you, listen, I mean, I can give examples. There are things you should don't, there's a particular amount of money you earn, you don't buy some certain phones. It's true. There are clothes you don't wear. And there's no fight. To, I hope you get my point. We're not quarreling. And let me tell you one other thing. Don't be, don't be ashamed. Don't be, don't feel inferior to anybody. Don't feel inferior to anybody. Somebody is wearing a shirt that you like and you see he has plenty of them. Just tell him, say, bros, when are you gleaning this one? That's not covetousness. So when you are gleaning it, I did. You know what they call gleaning? You wear your portion, I wear my portion. Simple. It doesn't mean you are inferior to anybody. Life is in phases. Men are in sizes. Bishop Edipo said, leave your size per time. You know, people that have, one thing I found with people that make them very, very poor in life is pretense. You know what I said? Pretend. There are different kinds of pretending. The easiest one, of course, is start talking. I, was, <laughs> I remember one brother does this. And I want to give you gist. Last week, I was in the, the, the GMD's office of NMPC. You know, he was explaining something to me. You're looking at him like, GMD talk to you. Your life is like this. The GMD of NMPC talks to you, and your life is like this. I, I know, but you know, you won't tell him anything. He'll be there smiling. He doesn't know that. Listen, when you are pretending, most people know. They just want, they don't, they don't want to, they don't have your time. They don't want to embarrass you. They know. They talk, he said, no, you know, last week, you know, I went to the village. You know, the, the, the minister for education was around, and we're discussing this. What he was telling me, and the person is talking. You know, the other day when I was in Asso Rock, he'd be looking at him. You didn't enter Asso Rock. Now you they look like this. That is one stupid way of pretending. Be bragging. Unfortunately, there was one brother once. I was talking with him. He said he was in need and all of that, and I was like, wow. Discussing, then he said that um, what he needs that he was with his friend, your daddy. That one said, If you can just get like 20 million naira, the project will move. In my mind, me and you are not in the same category. You, you have 20 million naira projects, okay? God bless you. So, when people who need 20 million need money, they're not talking to me. Is that Dangote comes and says that there are things we want to do? I said, Oga, Are you talking to me? <laughs> do you need prayer? If it's prayer, kneel down here. I have some men here, they can pray. In the name. But if you don't need that, if you want to discuss money, David said, my eye is not haughty, my heart is not proud. I don't involve myself in matters too difficult for me. Please, I have quietened my soul like a wind child. Don't come and give me trouble. We are discussing and you want to raise $18 million and it's my problem. I hope I, hope I get it back. One day I went to preach in Lagos. 
I went to preach in Lagos. I finally preached. The church, they are very rich people in that church. Very, very rich people. They invited me. I wanted to preach. After service, of course. Everybody wanted to discuss with me. They discussed with one woman. She just hung around until she finally managed to grab me. Please, Pastor, I need your help. She was talking. And my husband, the way my husband behaves, and that uh, we are owing First Bank three billion dollars. I almost fell down. <laughs> Billion prayers. <laughs> I said, No. I said, This guy can't no. How can a human be owed 3 million naira? If I owe 10 million naira, I will pray. I will double my fasting and prayer. You know? <laughs> the Lord is good. That is look at a woman like this. And if you see the woman I'm talking about, no earring, no makeup, looking very humble. <clears throat> the Lord is good, though. <laughs> I won't say more than that. But that brother was talking with me that day. He was mentioning sons. He said, man, he needs money right now. I just wrote it up that you're not talking to me. If he had told me, he said, ah, my brother. Like once, I had one music one day. I was driving. I think I thought my car stereo was on or I heard on the road. The man said, ah, ah, hey, mo, money day your hand now. All day your hand. Mo would lick on small. You know the song? You must have heard it. They sing in Europe, but it's not sing. You must have heard it. Oh, you heard the song. This is laughing there. If you can tell me, say, bros, money day your hand now. Ah, sort your guy. 5K now. God knows. I will not have hesitated. I did my mind in my pocket for giver. He said, look, look, I need 10K to get out of a bank. I mean, what, why not? But he said, man, the man said 20 million. Eh? <laughs> we talk, finish, oh. Bro, go, I go. There's nothing. <laughs> There's no need for discussion. I've seen pretense shut doors for people. And by the way, I don't have a job. Rather than begging, any job is better. The Lord is good. Okay, we have just said enough. Let's try and preach for today. All right. Let's get to this. <laughs> I need to preach my message. I beg you, should leave me alone. You are laughing at me. I came with a message today, really. I did. I did. What I preached so far is that, listen, you know, God supplies our needs. We just need to, we just need to take our eyes away from things that are too difficult for us. There are things that are too wonderful. Many times that's the problem we have. We are focused on things that are not our own. Meanwhile, the Lord wants to supply our needs, not our fantasies. What is prosperity? God will supply every need that you have. And then he will give you extra so that you can help somebody else by being a channel of God's blessings. Say, I will bless you, you will be what? A blessing. Now, what I wanted to share with us, let's see, remember I can start it, and then we'll stop it um, somewhere, and then continue next time, is the, what I call the law of the spirit. You know, I began by explaining that we're not talking about common sense, we're not talking business principles, naturally speaking now, we are talking spiritual things. And I want us to understand that by faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of God. 
So whatever we see materially don't have to come out of, I mean, they don't necessarily come out of the things that are visible. So you, if, if you see somebody prosperous materially, it doesn't mean you understand how it came to be, physically speaking. What I mean is that you cannot assume that it was because investing money here, investing money there, this now happened. So you go and invest money here, invest money there, expecting the same thing to happen. No. I said the other time that spiritual things, what God does for us in life is at first there is a seed. And then God gives a body to that seed. And when God wants to give a body to a seed, there are different ways he uses. But as for us believers, we should focus on that seed. Now, what I'm trying to emphasize is what I call the law of the spirit. That is, your spiritual climate. Can I use that expression? Your spiritual state decides what is attracted to you and what is repelled from you. And that's what I want to talk about briefly for the time I have left. If I don't finish it, I'll continue it next time. Your spiritual climate decides what is attracted to you and what is repelled from you. So, you have to take heed to your spirit. You have to take heed to your spirit. You must take heed to your spirit. Make sure that you first develop a spiritual climate that is appropriate. That was why Jesus said the poor have the gospel preached to them. I discussed that first day. That is, we need to rearrange our thoughts. We need to rearrange our mind. And one of the things God does for us in life, you know, you see, you know what Peter said that a day with the Lord is like what a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. He said God is not slow as men count slowness, but what is He doing? He's actually long suffering. He's patient, waiting for us to do what? To repent. To repent. What does that tell you? The difference between a day and a thousand years is repentance. That is, if it takes you a thousand years to repent. What God could have done in one day, it will take him a thousand years to do it. Do you get that principle? If what people think, it will take a thousand years. If you could accomplish the repentance in one day, God will do it in one day. What God gives time for is repentance. What God gives time for is what? Repentance. And he said it like that. I gave her time to repent. In fact, I just connected that one. I heard somebody quote that the other day. I gave her what? Time to repent. We're talking about Jezebel. I give her time to repent. What God gives time for is what? Repentance. What is repentance? Change. What is repentance? Changing your mind. The way you reason. What am I trying to say here? What happens in our lives is that God is changing us. What is repentance? Bringing us to the frame of mind, the state of soul and spirit that we are supposed to be in. That's what repentance is. The state of soul and spirit that we are supposed to be in. So God took Abraham, at the age of 75 he called him, and he said, come, let's walk together. And it took God 25 years to get Isaac into the life of Abraham. Now, why did it take 25 years? Was it because it was so hard for God to do? No, it was simply because God needed the 25 years for Abraham to get to the position that Isaac would come into his life. I hope you're getting my point here. So, now, I'm not saying anything negative about Abraham, but let us assume God could have accomplished that in 15 years, Isaac will have come in 15 years. If Abraham will have stretched that to 35 years, Isaac will have showed up at the end of 35 years. The lesson will just continue being prolonged for somebody who really wants to learn. So as you are making progress, God is patient towards you, waiting for you to repent. And what God, how does God help us to repent in life? There are two ways. Number one, instruction. He gives us the word. The word comes to you. There are things you can hear and immediately you assimilate. You hear them, immediately you understand. 
But there are things that you will hear. Jesus said you can't bear them now. Let me give you an example. If they tell you that, look, I've heard people say it before. To get into that business, you need to know people. No matter what you want to say, they can't hear it. So God said there's no problem. That business, I've called you to do it. Go and start. Then everybody you know will fail you. I hope you're getting my point. You will call them, they will not answer. They will answer, they will not fulfill their promises. At the end of three, four years of using people you know, you will give up on human beings. Then when they read to, read, read to you again, who is the one that trusts in man? You will say amen. At the beginning when they were making promises that they had the money, you couldn't say amen. You couldn't say that amen. Because it, it wouldn't come from your heart. Why? You saw them ready to help. Then God will open a door for you in an area where you know nobody. And your life, your business will blossom in that area. Next time they tell, they tell somebody begins to preach and say you need no man in your life. What you need is God. You will shout amen. Now that revelation has come to you through experience. Now it's not experience in itself, but experience building on the word. I hope you're getting my point. Many things you are hearing, they are not going to do you any good yet until you are able to understand them. Just store them in your heart. There are things you have argued against. It took you years to remember that faith after experience showed it to you. It's a word that's actually the instruction. Experience just helps us to break the word. So you see, Jesus said, there are things I want to tell you, you can't bear them now. But then, he said, when the Holy Spirit will come, he will teach, lead you into all truth. Now you think that Holy Spirit is a better teacher than Jesus Christ. No. The difference was because was that between the time Jesus will go and the Holy Spirit will come, they will have witnessed the, 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 the what they call it, they will have witnessed the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because he told them, I'm going to be killed, Peter said, nothing like that will happen to you. So he left the matter. He said, I will be left alone. Peter said, I can never deny you. Okay, there's no point arguing. You know, have you ever talked to people who know less than you, but they're arguing with you? You know, you get frustrated. You just get frustrated. So that's what happened to Jesus. He told Peter one thing. Peter said, lie, lie, it won't happen to you. Oh. All of you will leave me, I will be alone. Peter said, maybe John, I never trusted John. Maybe Andrew, the way his, his eye has been going around since we left fishing, I don't understand. But me, I will never leave you. Jesus said, you will deny me three times, for this earth, more better. When we're young, they said they want to bed. Did you ever do that? You cross your fingers, who will cut it? Somebody will now cut it. You're just looking. But let me tell you, before the cock can catch his breath to do it a second time, crowing, you will have done it, betrayed me three times, denied me three times. So by the time Jesus went and rose again from the dead, when the Holy Spirit came and began to show them things, it made sense. You heard the story of the road to Emmaus. That road to Emmaus could not have happened before the, the crucifixion. The things he showed in the scriptures about himself could only be shown because they have seen the crucifixion. So God uses experiences. Two ways he converts us by which we get into repentance. One is instruction. Two, experiences. Those things turn our hearts into the place where we are supposed to be. And then we now generate the spiritual energy that starts attracting what God wants to do into our lives. So as a believer, whatever you are looking for in life, stop praying all the time. You've prayed before. God has heard it. What God now needs is repentance. That is what reduces the time of waiting. That is what reduces the waiting period. That's what it is, the waiting period. There are instructions you, maybe you should have heard and obeyed. 
I'm thinking of my wife right now. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe the things I told her to five years ago. He said, no, my husband just been difficult. Because don't worry. When you learn it, the blessing will come. And the blessing has now come after she, you know, she, the things my wife used to do, she has, she's now tired. She's wondering, what are you talking about? Don't worry, we'll discuss that at home. I was thinking of you when I was saying something, so that in case I'm using you to preach, let me just say it openly, that I'm using you to preach the Lord is good. <laughs> you know, I'm the prophet in the house, <laughs> you understand? I'm not just a minister, as a husband, I'm a prophet. There are things I told my wife prophetically a long ago. She thinks, no, no, no. I said, all right. Then after a long time, the word of the prophet now came to pass. Then God now blessed the obedience. But the obedience was delayed by three, four years. I hope you're getting my point. And then somebody's being held by that. The Lord is good. So that's what God is doing. So if he wants to prosper us, what he does is to preach the gospel to us and we'll start changing. And today, what I just wanted to share with us briefly is some of the things, because in the heart there are two forces that work that control spiritual, can I use the word, charges, the spiritual climate, the aura around us. There are two things. One is called faith. The other is called unbelief. Unbelief is not the absence of faith. There are two forces. Did you hear what I said? Darkness is not the absence of light. Darkness is a force. Light is a force. How do I know? The Bible says that God separated the light from the darkness. Darkness was upon the surface of the deep. It was not the absence of light. There was a particular spiritual force. There was a kind of energy that was out there. God said, that one is not good enough. I can't use that for what I want to do. So he said, let light be. So light came into existence. And when that light came into existence, God said, the light is good. So he went into the light, the environment, took the darkness out, and took the light out. Separated the light from the darkness. Unbelief is like that too. Unbelief is a spiritual force. Just like faith is a spiritual force. So as you build up faith, you must also kill unbelief. I hope you are getting my point. What is unbelief? Unbelief is human reasoning. Unbelief is human understanding. What is faith? Divine reasoning. Divine understanding. Let me give an example. He said, by faith we understand that the words were, pre- the words were prepared by the word of God. So that what we see did not com- come out of things that are visible. Now, what is faith there? That is, by faith, I look at my life, you look at your life, and look the natural advantages that you thought you could have had, or somebody else could have had, that brought them to this level. You look at it and say, that's not what is going on. By faith, we understand that that's not what happened. That the words were framed by the word of God. Not by the person's natural abilities. Maybe you see a man very successful, he says, because his father was rich, you are lying. You don't understand anything. That is faith. I hope you're getting my point. But human reasoning, eh, he had a good head start in life now. When he was starting, I'm sure, I'm, that's what people say, I'm sure. He were not there. I'm sure his father gave him a lot of money. His father had land. His father had houses. And that helped him to start. Sometimes in life, as a matter of fact, the father did nothing like that. The truth is that the, guy, the experience he had, the advantage his father had in his life, was to open his eyes. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You know, you are able to receive things that you know are possible. Did you hear what I said? One of the things I've found amongst, pardon me to use the expression, please, I mean no insult. One of the things I've found among communities of poor people 
is that they believe that true wealth does not exist. Have you noticed that thing? In fact, they have a saying in Western Nigeria, very satanic saying. They say, mm, the foundation of wealth is dirty. And they say it's cynical. Have you heard, there's one that's very common. Now, I'm not passing any comment on whether this is true or false, okay? I just want to tell you something. Have you heard this very, very, I've heard it so many times. When you talk about the Angote, they say, hey, it's government that helped him. Have you heard that thing before? Yes, Let me just tell you, if you are thinking like that, you are a poor person. Poverty is your friend. You romance each other. Your pillow has it inside. You know why? You don't believe such things are possible. That's your fundamental problem. Because you have no fact more than the one you hear in Biepalo. And like I always say, that is how life is, by the way. Governments all over the world, except they have a political fight with you. Are you getting my point? They help people that help the country. Go and read your back. Listen, I'm not here to discuss because some people say, no, no, you don't know that God is. Neither do you. Let's talk spiritual principles. Go and read Robert Kiyosaki. He said once, you know, he used to borrow money to buy houses and then make his money from real estate investments. He said one day somebody told him to apply for a, what they call, is in, I may get the expression wrong, but try. You know, follow what I'm going to say. They call it non-recourse loan from the government, from the U.S. government. Why are you getting a non-recourse loan from this? What is a non-recourse loan? Now, like I said, the expression may not be very correct, but what I want to explain to you now is, is real truth, okay? It's a loan, like I told you, the non-recourse, I mean, I've mixed it up already long ago. It's a loan that if business fails, you don't have to pay back. Ah, and they were going to give me like, is it $500 million? Is it 500 or 100 million? Huge money. He said, what? He was shocked. He said, no, that this is how the American government provides houses for its citizens. Because governments don't do business in that country. Are you getting my point? So what they do is that they look for citizens that do good business. That look, you have the track record. You have built houses. You have sold them. You have made money. That you obviously know how to do property development. That they will give you the money. Of course, the regulations are there. It has to be for housing development. So they will watch that you spend it on that. You know them. If you try anything else, you will spend it in prison. Do you follow my point? <laughs> and that if the property market tanks and things go bad and you can't repay, they forgive the loan. That, but that when they do that, they cause more houses to be built, reducing the number of homes, uh, people that are without homes in America. He said that's how they do. He said he was surprised. So he moved to another level of business. Their interest rate is very low. Nigeria has something like that. They call it Federal Mortgage Bank. Many of us don't know you can actually borrow money from Federal Mortgage Bank and own a house and you pay them over 20 years. A lot of people don't realize it happens. I hope you know it happens. What am I going to say? So government helping somebody is nothing strange. It's nothing strange. But let's get back to the Positive, negative mindset. Look, I, in Western Nigeria, part of the country I came from, they have one satanic belief. Again, no insult meant, but you look at them, poor, from the beginning to the end. The only money they have is their civil servants. If government does not pay salaries for three months, the whole society is broke. 
Do you get, do you, do you, do you, do you get my reason? Why? Because the man selling rice cannot even sell rice. The one selling beans, nobody to buy. Why? Because government didn't pay salaries. But there's something I noticed about those people in that particular area that I'm talking, telling you about. Once they see, I, listen, what I'm telling you is not a joke. I grew up like that. When they feel very rich people in town, every single one they had a tourist to tell us, he buried a live goat, he buried a vulture, he chopped this one, his son died. As if many of these poor people, their children have died. They are still poor. Listen, children dying is not a good thing. Is it a good thing? But think about it. Have you not seen many before? Rich people's children die. Poor people's children die. But trust, trust Western Nigerian people. If somebody close to you dies and you go and prosper within the next two years, they'll say, you use that person for medicine. That is what they call unbelief. That's what I'm discussing. The same person will tell you, God can do anything. I've seen that one major... Listen. Be careful how you reason. Negative reasoning about other people is repelling prosperity from you. Every rich person, some people see, they start suspecting. I, I was talking with one man one day. I said, no... No, a professor. You know, sometimes you know there's what they call pride. You don't know it's even inside your heart. Arrogance with all my intelligence, I should be richer than some people. If I'm not richer than them, there's something they did I'm not willing to do. I don't know what I get. My, I mean, I mean negative. Oh. The man was talking when they were in the office together. A professor. Senior man, not a young boy. We're just talking. And you know, I'm a bit um, more red... Not, not in the professional area now, but general life than some of those people. So I know some things going on in the world and all that. So you'll be discussing with them. So you mentioned things like, like the gist I gave you now, that Angote was paid $700 million dividends in one particular year. <laughs> this is how they steal our money. And you're like, how is it your money? Say, no. The man told me that nobody, that he's telling me, much older than me, so I couldn't really argue with him much. That he's telling me, Nobody makes such money, honestly. So I felt like telling him, but I couldn't. Say, Prof, that's how you've been poor all your life. That's how you've been poor all your life. Struggle. You join us to strike. Everything. Always fighting government for 10,000 extra. 2,000 extra. Strike, 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 strike. To build a house, you have to travel to a hot country. To go and sweat for two, three years. I'm not saying working is bad, but your mindset capped you at this level all your life. And as an old man, you're still talking the nonsense. I grew up in an area like that, where every rich person, there's a story about them. There's one man that makes um, some snacks in that area. When I heard the gist about him, I told my wife, if I were him, I'll pack you from that town and go somewhere else. They say, ah, when he has finished making his, uh, his raw, before he starts baking, that he will close the door to do his juju. I know enough business to know that that guy does no juju. What he's doing needs no juju. <laughs> you get my point. Why he, um, 
Locks his door. It's his trade secret. He just there's a, there's, there's a particular combination he puts in. Anyway, make a long story short. You know the way it is. To prepare his, to give his unique taste, and especially the longevity. It doesn't mold. It, it can keep for days on a shelf. When they seal it, it can literally keep for weeks. If in a sealed bag. Everybody has tried to prepare that kind of snack. Their own grows moldy. They spoil. So they say, ah, that, you see, see those old movies you watch, stop watching them. They said, this is the source of his way that he will lock the door while he's doing, you know those incantations. Now, I learned incantations as a young boy because that's all the drama we watch was incantations. So I can still, this is what I've told you now. If I tell you <laughs> the meaning of it, <laughs> very, very silly. We, we used to use the incarnation to disappear. Well, we didn't disappear anywhere. You go recite, recite, recite. You cross your finger, put behind. Teacher will still catch you. Oh. <laughs> the teacher will still catch you. But that was the gist. And I'm telling you today, is one major unbelief in the hearts of people why God can't bless them. That's one. They just have this negative attitude. Another one, as an example, can not anything good come out of Nazareth? There are those who believe it. Christians, let me tell you, no, unbelief, I said, is an explanation for why certain things can't happen. Faith is trust in the, in the power of God. Faith is trust in the ability of God. But what is unbelief? The reason why this one can't happen. For example, they left Egypt, right? Did they see the power of God? Did they see the power of God? Did he open the Red Sea? Did they use templates to deliver them? Then they got to the edge of the promised land. They had another story. God has never taken care of giants. We can't enter. Listen, the reason why a lot of people don't prosper, they will tell them you can buy house in Nigeria with Federal Mortgage Bank. It's only for people who know people. They've not tried though. Federal government will say, okay, SME loans. You've heard of SME loans? They say, hmm. This thing now in the north, not that I've eaten all the money. But you know now, because those of us in the east, we don't know anybody. Nothing. They've not gone there to apply. They've not even gone to knock the door and say, good morning, sir. What is the full meaning of SME? They've not even tried that one. Collect the form fair. Feel it. Let somebody deny you. They won't even try. It's Nigeria. Nothing, hap- nothing works. And God said, I have been giving you signs all these years. If we are counting rich people in Africa... Nigeria contributes a huge number. And they say, ah, those people, they are just fronting for politicians because they say, what do you now want me to do for this, my children? They don't believe anything good happens around them. I've seen people that any business you tell them, they tell you five, 500 reasons why it can happen in your country. And they're not saying, if it's America now, a place they have never been to. So they go, sell their father's house, sell their father's land, and run over to America, and at the end of the day, they do many a job for the next 10 years. Then when they are coming home, they buy a new pair of jeans and a new pair of canvas. They come once in five years, not because they, if you see any Nigerian who comes home once in five years, let me just assure you of one thing, it's poverty. Most want to come home, they can't afford it. Those who really can, they show up anytime. Some will just come for wedding self. These are the ones where God, God don't say to. God don't part them well, well. For your wedding. Say, you came. Yeah, man. How you guys doing? 
money. And I okay, I'll be back. He said, that one get money. The other one was just a whistle. What you call him? He said, ah, yeah, I'm going to see you. Ten years. Your cousin never come house. Go and check if something's wrong. Either he's still an illegal immigrant after ten years, or he's a legally poor immigrant. Come buy the ticket. Listen, I feel I, I, that, that's what I came actually with today. I'll develop it for that next time. You have to remove unbelief. What is unbelief? I need to know somebody before I can make progress. <laughs> Another form of unbelief that I see a lot of times. I see people are just angry with their brother. He hasn't helped me. I need to pray for you if you are like that. May God forgive you. May nobody help you. Ah, you didn't say amen to that one. I know I'm saying it too. Because if you say amen to it, you now know you need the help of God. The problem right now, you are still looking around for human help. Once I went to my friend's church to go and preach, I said, I want to pray for you that nobody will give you money to start out your business. Eh? Even the host pastor looked at me like, Pastor, excuse me, what did you say? I said, it's a prayer now that may they not give you money to start that business. Ah, okay. Now, preach, you can't preach on a swear, you can't swear. You can't cause us for here. They didn't get my point. But what I said that day, now I look back, was prophetic. Every, anybody always looking for money to start business can't do business. That one I can assure you. They can't. Always looking for money to start. Three years ago you saw you say, oh, I, I've been trying to be looking for money. <laughs> Just know he can't. Those who really can do business. Those who really can They can sell the phone they have just to get something small. The day somebody mistakenly dashes them 5,000 there, they will make it 6,000 in a week. In a short while, that 5,000 has become 20. But you see people, you know, there are those who go around with proposals and projects. Have you seen them before? They always have feasibility study. And they never need anything less than 5 million there. Have you seen them? Please never give them money. They are the ones I was praying for. They always have ideas. Always having ideas on how to, and if somebody can just get them seven million naira, they know what they are going to do. I saw one guy on TV, um, it was a TV program, but I watched it. Somebody shared it, South Africa. He was talking and t- telling people that a woman came to the to their office, a banker, that he needed to he needed to he needed to borrow like is it thirty million rand. I don't really have the value of rand in my head, but. Let's just use Naira as an example now. Maybe it's going to borrow 50 million Naira to buy a big chicken farm. So he asked the woman, have you ever sold chicken before? No. You sold eggs before? No. You want to buy chicken farm? Why? Because some white South Africans wanted to leave South Africa. So they are selling their farm and relocating to another country. So told the woman, there's no problem. Told her where to go and go and buy eggs. In quantity. That one cost more than a few thousands. Not 50 million you're looking for. Then take the eggs, break them down to small pieces, and sell them in corners. Different parts of town sell them. That if you can do that, get all the money back, buy more eggs, you understand? Then I will introduce you to a place where you can buy even cheaper. That if you can turn this money around until you make 5 million, we're using Naira now, by yourself. I'll give the balance for the five. 
But for you to come out of nowhere and go and buy a chicken farm for 50 million naira that people use a whole generation to build, you will kill it over the next two years. Told the woman, there's no problem. Go and start trading in eggs. When you have made 5 million naira from trading eggs, it's not the money that's his problem. Go and gather the experience. That's why I say, when people are always looking for money to start a business, just know they can't do any. If they could, they would have started doing something that requires very little money. What am I going to explain? One negative that's unbelief that's in people's hearts is nobody's helping me. Met one guy once, he was working, did some work for, for, for us, my department. He told me his story, how his brother has made big money doing one particular kind of business. And he kept on describing and describing. He said, the only problem is his wife is the problem. Won't let him settle me. I looked at the man talking. That guy at that time could not have been less than 36. So I looked at him. I said, boy, come. You are waiting for your brothers, for your brother to settle you. And because he hasn't, you are blaming his wife. And that, that the wife does not let him give money to the family. Now, for your information, the chances that that is a lie is 95%. You know that. You are not agreeing with me? Okay, if you don't know, let me tell you now. Let me now preach it to you. It's a lie. What did I say? You know I'm a preacher. You will say amen. Amen? Mm-hmm. It's a lie. It's not the wife. Most times, it has nothing to do with the wife. It's a man. He's the one that owns the business. the one that runs it. If he wanted to give money, does he have to go home to call somebody? You know the truth? He doesn't have as much as his brother was thinking. The fact that the man is doing big business does not mean he has big money. Most of the time, in fact, you know, there's this program I watch once in a while, Shark Tank. When somebody said, look, I did turnover, $5 million. The sharks will say, wow. Then one of them will say, very good. What was your profit? Then the truth starts coming out. Uh, 50000 They say, where did all the money go? We have to pay this, pay this, and marketing. So on $5 million turnover, you went home with $50,000. Then they start analyzing why. But if you are looking outside, you see trucks going in, coming out, going in, comes a messy business. It's my brother, he has not settled me. You won't know with all of that, the guy only managed to collect $50,000 on $5 million turnover. Why am I telling the story? One thing, now listen, I'm talking spiritual things so. I'm talking about the spirit, the negative force generated from the spirit. One of the ways it's done is through things like, this man is not helping me. As long as you keep pointing fingers at who has not helped you, God folds his hand and still waiting for you to turn to him. The reason why you are complaining about that person is because you expected help from him. And once you are expecting help from the individual, you are actually, without realizing it, denying the help that the Lord can give. Not joking. You know, I said, developing what? The spiritual state that attracts prosperity into your life. First one I mentioned is that stop looking at everybody that's rich as if they are crooks. Not necessarily. They are natural people, a lot of them. So as they are naturally, because they are natural, they can be crooked, but not more than the poor guy beside them. I don't know whether you're getting my point. The most dishonest people you see around are actually poor. The workman that told you to buy three bags of cement, when you turn your back, you use only two bags. Is it Dangote? <laughs> Have you not experienced it? You go to a filling station. 
my, there are some guys I used to do it in one place and my wife went to, you know, because my wife does, you know, business. If you're a business person, you know, when they are trying to cheat somebody, it's going to be pinching your body. Do you get, you, you understand? Because you can feel the pain of the owner of the business. They did to her twice in filling stations. One, they cheated her. The second one, they cheated the company. There's a way the girls will be pressing the keys. The thing will dispense fuel without reading. Ah! She observed it. She packed her car, walked into the manager's office, knocked on the manager's office. Oh, girl, come here. These girls are stealing your money. Ah, she, he said, she came and said, I couldn't take it because he said, she, you know, the loss was paining her. Those girls are on minimum wage, and they are dishonest. You're that one that, ah, that one, my wife really enjoyed that one, sure. She finished buying for, before she looked, they had wiped the, maybe she said something like, give me 6,000 there. <laughs> they don't wipe the thing, say they don't sell finish. Ah, she drove away, looked at the gauge, looked at the gauge. Ah, 6,000 there, and my gauge will be here. Was this 6,000 something like that? Nine, okay, 9,000. A big tank. Ah! So she turned around. Went back and said, no, you did not dispense my, my, my money complete. They started arguing. So she just passed on to the manager's office. The manager came out. They have a rule in filling stations. You don't wipe until the next person comes. Nobody had come. So where is the thing? They had wiped it. The manager just said, madam, pack. She packed it. Fill the tank. <laughs> the girls pumped the tank. It was full. She was even the one that feeling bad. No, no, it doesn't have to be. They must say, no, madam, don't talk, don't talk. They filled the tank. She looked said, please, you can go. She drove us. These girls, don't worry. They will pay the money. He knew them. They are stolen. And they are not a dead allow. So when you are looking at rich people that they are crooked, it's not true. The real crooked people, they are poor. They are poor. I hope you are getting my point. Don't let your heart hit the rich. That's what I'm trying to say. Mike Mudok said, what you don't respect, you don't attract. The people are just angry because they think they deserve more than other people. That must ne- that's what they call unbelief. I also mentioned that kind of unbelief. Looking at your environment, believing nothing good can come out. Another form of unbelief, looking at yourself and say, I cannot speak, I'm a youth. God said to Jeremiah, I've made you a prophet. He's saying to you, I have blessed you, you you have prospered in this land. Say, Lord, I did not go to school. I don't know whether, I mean, you may may have heard me tell this story. When I met Reverend (laughs) Barnesy, the owner of Barnex. You know Barnex? Yes. Well, I asked him a question one day. He said, oh, man of God, you know, I told you I didn't go to school, so I don't read much. So, he said, I do a lot of writing, and I do a lot of listening. But I don't have a culture of reading, because I stopped in primary six. Do you hear what I said? That's the person that, when I told him, sir, I'll be coming to Lagos. He said, ah, that's very good. I'll roll out the, I'll roll out the red carpet. I thought it was a joke. When we arrived at the airport, I saw a helix of policemen. And a black rose rose waiting to carry my wife and I. <laughs> Not kidding. As soon as they came out of the airport, they opened the door. The rose rose drove up to the entrance. Opened the door. We entered. 
One day I went to preach for him. He said, man of God, we are going to the church tomorrow in the limo. Brought out one stretch link on the limo like this. That needs a car to block the road for us to turn. He told me, man of God, I stopped in primary six. He said, God has blessed me. I don't know why. He said something. He said, it's very funny because now I'm invited to places to speak, to teach people. He teaches, he has taught in, you no know, leadership programs, Lagos business school, places like that. He said, the reason is because they say, this man stopped in primary six. <laughs> I don't know whether you're getting my point. He said, the reason is because they say, he stopped in primary six. I watched him on TV one day because he sent me a message that there's a program I should watch. So I tuned, my wife and I watched it together. He tells the whole story to the whole world. So don't look at, I'm talking about unbelief. Don't look at yourself as the reason that is something inside you why you can't prosper. Sometimes this is a deep inside people. That's why we tell these stories. There are people who are laboring against the spiritual principle working in their life. You see them get up every day to work, but deep inside them they said I can't prosper. Why? My mates went to university that time. I didn't go because I failed. After I failed four times, I stopped. I read the story of one man, British millionaire. He couldn't write. They were telling the story. He was not telling the story of why he got a job because he was a poor, illiterate person. He got a job as a janitor. He said, okay, sign here so he can start the work. He couldn't even sign his name. So this guy said, your lack of education is extreme. So they didn't give him the job. So he had to go and start his own business. Buying small things and selling. After many years, he became a millionaire. British millionaire in pounds. So one day they were not interviewing him. He said, ah, you have no education and yet you became like this. What if you only you had small education? He said, I would have been a janitor. He said, I would have been a janitor. The reason why I'm not a janitor now. It's because I was so illiterate. They didn't give me the janitor job. Now I'm a, I'm a multi-millionaire counting in pounds. Please, we take our prosperity from the spiritual realm. The one I preach today now is wipe out all those excuses. Unbelief is a force in itself. No matter how much you are struggling, which is what faith is. That is like you are trying. That's on the side of faith. Unbelief can remove the results. Unbelief, negative words. Speaking negatively into your environment. If you were, if you were there during a word vessel, uh, sorry, good of the land. I talked about being what? A supplier of the spirit. What a man sows, that shall he also reap. What you sow into your environment comes into your home. Did you hear what I said? So good into the land, constantly, with your words, with your prayer, it will come into your life to attract prosperity into your life. Let me stop it here. I think I'll stop it here. We continue on this point next time. Let us pray. I don't know what you are going to do, but just respond to these words today. In prayer. As I was speaking, God was saying some things to you specifically. You need to take that one to the Lord in prayer. As I was speaking, God was speaking some things to you. Take those words to the Lord in prayer. Let's respond to um, the words that we have heard this evening. If we need to repent in certain areas, then let's go ahead and just, you know, 
speak those words of repentance and ask that the Lord will show us mercy.